today we're going to continue the message that we began last week entitled Our Daily Bread. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will, rewar will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you need before you ever ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Lord, your will that you have for my life, for my job, for my family, let it be done on earth as you have predestined for it to be in heaven. And then verse 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. So for just a few minutes to begin, I want to review some of the things from last week. Because you see, God has your bread for today. For this time in your life, for this season, for what you're going through right now. And so because of that, you're not going to be able to fight your battle today off of yesterday's bread. You're not going to be able to fight tomorrow's battle on today's bread. Jesus said, give us this day. Because this is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice, and we're going to be glad in it. Not because we're happy with everything that's going on today, but we're rejoicing because God created today, and no matter what challenges we are going to face today, God is going to give us what we need to overcome those challenges. Today. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is our very present help in the time of trouble. And that's why we don't have to fear. Last week we looked at Luke chapter 11, verse 11, when Jesus asked, if a son asks for bread from any father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? And of course the answer is no. Well then Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Must have been talking about my sister. Not, no, no, not, not the evil part. She's not evil. She's just generous. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And see, one of the reasons that Jesus takes the time to tell us that if we ask Him for bread, He's not going to give us a rock is because, let's face it, sometimes when we ask for bread, when it shows up, it looks like a rock. Or at least it looks like something that we're not expecting. It doesn't look tasty. It doesn't look like a blessing. It, it, it looks like a stone. And then on top of that, to add insult to injury, many times things get tougher. But you see, friend, you can't trust your senses. You can't go by what it looks like or what it feels like. You have to trust God's character and trust His faithfulness so that if you ask Him for bread, you know in your heart that He's going to give you His bread. Passage says, if you ask him for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. And that's because God's ways are not our ways. God is sovereign, and he can do whatever he wants. 
And we need to realize that God blesses us in different ways, and however he chooses to bless us, it is from God. If God sent you $1,000, he arranged for you to receive $1,000 in the mail, I'm sure I can get a lot of people to volunteer for that program. Well, the mailman brings it, but it came from God, not from the mailman who brought it. And so God will bless you with your daily bread even if we don't recognize it's from Him. Also last week we looked at Genesis chapter 45. And verse 16 says, Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And in verse 18, Pharaoh says to Joseph, he says, Tell your brothers to bring your father and your households and come unto me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. And verse 20 says, Also do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So as we saw last week in the early period of the relationship between God's people and Egypt, it was a blessing. So we found out in the first stage of, of God providing for us that God is going to feed you through the hands of other people. When famine rose up in Canaan and Jacob's family was in trouble, God sent them down into Egypt and God provided bread for them through the hand of Pharaoh. It was God, but he used the hand of man to do it. Luke 6.38 says, Given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto you. In the first stage, God will bless you through men. And so the Israelites thrived in the land of Egypt. But Joseph died. Pharaoh died. A new Pharaoh arose in Egypt, and he became jealous. And he became afraid of the large number of Israelites that were in the land of Egypt, and so he enslaved them. Well, fast forward 400 years, and Moses shows up to lead God's people out of slavery, and he leads them into the wilderness. So now they're on their own. They're alone with God. And so we saw that in the second stage of God's provision, of God bringing bread into your life, it's that he wants to be alone with you. God wants you out from under the hand of men so that he can feed you through his own hand. And when he does, you're going to know that if it hadn't been for the Lord by your side, that you would have gone hungry. God says, I'm not feeding you through man's hand any longer. I'm going to teach you how to listen to me and to pray for yourself. And so you see, when you hear that still, small voice of God, that's when he's going to start giving you miracles from his hand. When Israel was alone in the wilderness with God, God had to do the miraculous for them to survive. And so if you and I, if we're going to live in the righteousness of God, then we're going to have to live in situations where we cannot see what tomorrow holds. And we're going to have to trust him for our daily bread. And so that brings you up to speed of where we were last week. And I can imagine someone, wants, you know, one of you out there thinking, you're, you're saying, now wait a minute, Mike, let me get this straight. You just gave us your whole last week's message in less than 10 minutes. I mean, you know there's a fine line between a drawn-out sermon and a hostage situation, right? 
I'll try to do better. What we're going to continue today talking about being fed by God's hands. If you would look at Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. And the word of God says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather, shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. Now see, when God starts feeding you by his own hand, the bread just isn't going to fall into your mouth. Oh, goody, goody, God's going to put a Cadillac in my driveway while I sit in my Barker lounge or watching Dr. Phil. No, it doesn't work that way. But God, he has your blessing, but you've got to gather it up. You've got to reach out and get it. You've got to pull it in. God's blessing is real. It's tangible. It's out there. But you've got to go out into the spirit world and pull it into the natural world. You see, because God has already birthed in your spirit what he wants to bless you with, but you've got to reach over in the spirit and say, it is mine in the name of the Lord. So many times we watch someone else get, get blessed and we get jealous. But you see, it's because they're getting out of their tent and gathering up what God has for them while you're sitting in your tent murmuring and complaining. Or watching Dr. Phil in your Barca lounge, you're waiting for the Cadillac to appear. Don't be mad at them because they reached out of their tent and claimed that house in the name of the Lord. Because they reached out and claimed that blessing in the name of the Lord or that they claimed their healing in the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I am tired of just sitting in my tent waiting and trying to get along, trying to get along with everyone but yet still being hungry like the rest of the herd, acting like the herd so the herd won't be mad about me and talk about me. Go ahead and say what you want about me. It doesn't matter what people say. You need to reach out by faith and get your bread. You prayed for it, you cried for it, and God wants you to have it. Reach your hand out and receive it. We've got to start living our lives by call those things that are not as though they are. Forget about bringing home the bacon. I want to bring home some of God's bread. So God told Israel, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. And the next morning, interestingly, they looked outside their tent, and verse 15 says, when they saw it, they said, what is it? What is it? Well, you see, that's what manna means. The Hebrew translation of manna is, what is it? Listen, there's someone here today, and God told you that he was going to bless you. But now when that thing's happened, you're looking at it saying, what's that? Manna? Because it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like when the blessing came. Some of you are looking at your job that you prayed so hard to get, and you're saying, manna? I'm not going to name names, but there's some of you looking at your teenager saying, manna? You understand. It's God's blessing. 
It may not look like you think it should look. It may not be going like it, you think it should be going. It may not taste like you think it ought to taste. It may not feel like you think it ought to feel. But if God told you it's bread, it is bread. You know what's interesting is that when God sent the manna from heaven, Israel didn't believe it. They said, well, that doesn't look like anything we've seen before. How can that be bread? Well, this was a foreshadow in the Old Testament of the same thing that Israel did in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, again, they didn't believe it. They didn't believe that Jesus was from God. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 49, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. And then he says in verse 51, But I am the living bread which came from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Jesus says, all you have to do is consume what I'm offering you, and you will never perish. But yet when Jesus came to earth, the Jewish people looked at him and said, Manna? What is it? Because they didn't believe that he was the Son of God. And so the point I'm trying to make to you today is that you've got to recognize God's provision in any form that it comes because it doesn't always look like you think it's going to look like. If he told you he was going to send you bread, get your fork and your plate and put the napkin around your neck. Because even though it's manna, it's still bread for you. Even though you're saying, what is it in that situation that's driving you crazy, it's still bread for you. If there is something going on in your life that's strange and you can't figure out what it is when God said he was going to send you a blessing, just realize it's manna. It is bread from heaven. When God said he's going to give you your daily bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Your kids ask for bread, are you going to give them a stone? Of course not. Well, God's not going to either. What God wants us to realize, he's telling us to trust him when we can't trace him. God is not going to take the time to explain every little item to you. He says, I'm not going to describe every detail, so you're going to have to trust me for your blessing. And we're going to have to reach out of our tent to grab a hold of what he sent to us. You know, in church circles, we hear a lot about God supplying all of our needs. We really, we really like that scripture. God's going to supply all my needs. But one of the major problems of modern-day thinking about that is that we get confused about the difference between needs and wants. Oh, yes, Lord, I need that 80-inch flat-screen TV so I can watch TBN. Yeah, there you go. And if we're not careful, we can develop a greedy spirit that causes jealousy. Because, you know, let's be honest, we're human. We want what the other person has. But friend, we need to understand that when God said he was going to be Jehovah Jireh and provide for you, first of all, he was not talking about cars and bank accounts and flat screen TVs. He was, first of all, he was talking about Jesus Christ, who is God's perfect provision for the real problems that you have in your life. And the other issue is that when God blesses you, he is not blessing you so that you can keep up with the Joneses. 
Nowhere in this book can you find where God promises to give everybody the same thing. Galatians 6.4 says, Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. Many people don't feel blessed because they don't have what someone else has. But friend, I want you to know it is a horrible mistake to weigh your blessing by what other people have. Just because their bread may look better than yours, it may be a whole lot sourer than yours. I mean, it doesn't matter what they're driving. Just thank God for what you're driving. It's better than having to Uber everywhere. Maybe you don't feel blessed because you look across the room at what God is doing for them, and it makes you feel like you don't know God like they know God. But I want you to know, friend, that's a lie from the devil. You don't have to live where they live or do what they do to know God. You can know God even if you're living in a one-room house with only one window. And then you can say, Lord, I just thank you that I only have one window, but I'm thankful that I can see out of it. You say, Lord, I only have spam to eat, but I'm glad I can digest whatever it is I do eat. And if all you're eating is spam, you do need to be able to have a good digestive system. If you're in good health, you need to be thankful that all your organs are working correctly. There are people all over this world laying up in hospital beds today, right now, wishing they had organs that work properly. There are multiplied millions of people that wish they could sit in a church service like this today and not be confined to a nursing home or a rest home. God blesses us in so many different ways if we'll just open our eyes. Amen. Amen. In Exodus chapter 16, God didn't give each tent the same amount of supply. He gave to each man according to his need. To the man who needed little, he gave little. To the man who had a large family, he gave more. God knows what you need before you ask him. But God also knows how much you can handle. I know everyone in here and say, hey, if I would win the lottery, I'd give half of it to, the God, to God. Some of you would say, I'd give three quarters of it to God. Other of you say, hey, I would just keep 10% and I'd give 90% to God. You're full of hot air. Because I submit to you, if you're not paying your tithe, I'm not talking about putting a nickel in the offering plate. If you're not paying your tithe, then it doesn't matter how much you get, you're not going to honor God with it. See, because giving is not about the amount. Giving is about the commitment in your heart. Here I am getting off talking about money. I can't believe it. Money was not in this sermon, not in my notes at all. And here I am. But God knows what you can handle. And so don't be jealous if God gave someone else more than he gave you. Just because, because he will supply your daily bread. He will supply what you need because my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's his promise. And he will stand by his promise. He is not a God that he would lie. Maybe you've been feeling down because you think you're not getting the same bread supply as someone else. And so maybe you think that there's something wrong with your faith. 
Friend, don't let the devil deceive you. Just be thankful for what God has done for you. Because if you look back over your shoulder and see where God has brought you from and everything that God has brought you through, then you can give a rejoice of praise. Because when we're honest with ourselves, God has been very, very good to each of us. And to each of us, God has given us our daily bread. And if we will just recognize it, it's always enough to make it through today. So the first stage was that God was going to supply blessings through the hand of man. The second stage was that God will bless you through his hand. Now for the third stage, the Bible says in Joshua 5.12, then the manna ceased. See, up until now, God has been raining bread. It's been pretty easy. The bread's been coming. The miracles have been coming in different ways. And, and, and we all have a wonderful testimony. And we praise God for that. We thank God for that. But you see, you've got to understand that's the elementary stage of faith. That's God giving you a good foundation. But God's plan for us is to mature in Him. Romans 1.17 says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says we are being transformed into His image from glory to glory. We mature in God by going from faith to faith and glory to glory to where we grow in Him. And so when we really start maturing in God and we, when we really start maturing in faith, well, the manna ceases. And God says, now you've reached a point where you can prepare yourself for victory. God says, it's been easy. I've been sending it right to you. But now your strength is up. Your faith is strong. So now do it yourself. Now, don't throw anything at me. Don't, don't get excited and think I've gotten off track and gone off the deep end. But I want you to know at this stage, God's blessings will come through your own hand. You say, wait a minute, Mike, I don't know about that. But God is telling us that I'm going to bless you with the ability to achieve. Like David, I'm going to teach your fingers to war. I'm going to show you how to get well. I'm going to show you how to be blessed. I'm going to put strength in your body. I'm going to bless the works of your hand. God says, I'm going to finally show you how you can get it all together. How many would finally like to be able to get it all together? Friend, the miracle of your provision is going to be in your God-given ability. Now, I am not discounting the power of God in our life. But God says, I'm going to anoint your gifts. I'm going to put singing in your mouth. I'm going to put preaching in your heart. I'm going to anoint the talents, the hidden treasure that I put down in your spirit before you were ever conceived. Listen, Satan knew that you were created for a kingdom purpose, and that's why he tried to destroy you when you were going through the desert. But God kept you, and God provided for you, and he's going to anoint what he created down inside you. Because let's face it, friend, we don't need God to do for us what we can do for ourselves. But see, at first we were sick, we were weak, we were lonely, we were dysfunctional. And God had to provide miracles for us because we didn't have his strength. Our faith wasn't built up enough, and we didn't have his power. 
But you see, now you're getting strong, you're in the Word, your faith is building, and God is anointing you to go out and do what He has called you to do. Every person in here has a calling on their life. And God wants us to get out and do what He's called us to do. I mean, you don't have to wait for the elders to pray for you. Pray for yourself. Lay hands on your own baby. Counsel yourself through your problems. Wake yourself up to read the Bible and feed yourself. Tell the devil he is a liar to his face. March around your own house. Plead the blood on your own front porch. Tell the devil, you can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my mind because with God's help, you can do all things. I mean, what do we do? The devil shows up at our house. The devil comes to visit us on our job. The devil even follows you to church. And what do we do? Oh, my goodness, the devil's here. I need to run. I need to change jobs. I need to move away. I need to go and hide. Let me tell you something. The devil knows where you live, and he knows all your hiding places. And he is going to search you out wherever you are. But you need to get to the place in your strength and in your face Faith where you can stand toe-to-toe with the devil, point your finger right in his pointy nose and say, Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You don't need the elders to rebuke him for you. You don't need the pastor to rebuke him for you. You need to get to the point in your life where you have the ability and the strength and the anointing of the Holy Ghost where you rebuke him yourself. God has given you the power. He's given you the grace. He's given you the ability. So it's time for us to get up off of our knees and do what God's called us to do in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says whatever you do, whatever your hand finds to do, it will prosper. God said if you'll do it, he'll bless it. If you open up that business, he'll bless it. If you stretch out your hand, he'll bless it. If you go out on your own, he'll bless it. If you prepare yourself by feasting on his daily bread, he will bless you. And then you can get, you can get finished watching other people being blessed, and you can get blessed yourself. Don't be like the lame man who waited by the pool for 38 years. Drag yourself over into the presence of God and tell him, Lord, I am ready to be blessed. Lord, anoint me with the gifts that you have given me. God, I want your power in my life. So for the fourth stage of God's blessings, you're going to have to be able to shut out the noise of this generation. When Israel was about to pass into the promised land, Moses sent spies out to check it out. Numbers chapter 14, verse 6 says, But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land... We pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And it is a land that flows with milk and honey. Now notice that Joshua and Caleb were the only two out of the 12 spies who said, Hey, we can do this. We can do this. It's achievable. 
we can possess the land. The other ten sissy said, oh, no, 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 we can't. The enemy's too big. They're too bad. They'll crush us. Well, see, friend, when you're a person of faith, when you're striving to be a person of faith, it's very difficult to be saddled with someone who is still in diapers when you've been potty trained for a while. I thought that was pretty good. But you're always saying, Ernie, come on, you're slowing me down. Put your big boy pants on and let's get going and doing what God's called us to do. You don't have time for some jealous, insecure, self-righteous person who's up and down and uncertain. Because after going through everything that you've had to go through to get to this stage in your Christian walk, you don't want to be surrounded by hokey-pokey Christians who are in and out. Now, I'm really not trying to be rude. I'm, I, I'm really not. And I'm glad for everyone who comes. But I would rather not even sit beside someone in church who doesn't want anything from the Lord. I mean, they're in church, and that's good. I appreciate that. But they act like mummies or mannequins, and they don't do anything at all. And if they do anything at all, they're texting or they're playing games or they're looking at their watch rolling their eyes. I mean, I want to be around people who want to praise the Lord. I want to be around someone who's believing God for something. I don't need anyone telling me what I can't do. I already have a sister. I need someone to agree with me that all, with God all things are possible. I need someone to remind me that I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. I need someone to tell me that I am the head and not the tail. I need someone that's going to agree with me that I am going to be above and not beneath. Some of you are missing out on God's blessing because you continue to hang around the wrong negative talking folks. And the noise of this generation, the noise of this world is drowning out the voice of God that's trying to direct your path. You need to hang with people who believe that the promises of God are yes and amen. And not perhaps so or I hope so. Caleb and Joshua tore their clothes in disgust and despair because they knew that their hour had finally come. This was it. They were finally going to get to cross over and possess what had been promised to their forefathers. Yes. And you see, when you have faith, the reason they could do this is because when you have faith, you don't see things the same way as carnally minded people see things. When you have faith, you can be in a mess but not focused on how bad it is because your focus is on how good God is. And you don't have amnesia and you remember that he brought you out yesterday, so he's going to bring you out today. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and what he's done for me, I know that if it had not been for the Lord who is on my side, I would have lost my mind. I would have lost my family. I would have lost my business. My dog might even have ran away. But I want you to know I would have been swallowed up. But God has been faithful every single day to bring me through. And he deserves all the glory. It is an insult to my God when I get amnesia and doubt him. After all he's done for me. In Joshua, uh, in verse 9 of that passage, Joshua says, Don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Why? 
for they are our bread. They are our bread. You see, God promised to give us our daily bread, but we have to understand that sometimes he's going to send you bread wrapped up in something that everyone else sees as a problem. It's bread to you, but your mama sees, oh, yeah, well, you know, we've had cancer in our family for many generations. And they see a stone or they see a scorpion. But I want you to know what they see as evil, God will turn it around and use it for his good. So you've got to look past. You've got to look past the natural. You've got to shut your ears to the naysayers, and you've got to get in the spiritual because you've got to keep looking because it's bread. The bread is there. Keep believing. It's bread. Keep rejoicing. God will give you your daily bread. Someone says you can't have it. It doesn't matter what they say. What matters is what God says, and keep looking for the bread. Maybe it's draped in a mess, but it's still bread. People are talking about you like you're a dog, but it's still bread. Maybe you're running out of money, but it's still bread. They say you've lost your mind for believing, for what, you, believing what you're believing for, but it's still bread. And out of the test, out of the mess, if you will hold on just a little while longer, God is going to deliver you, and your testimony is going to ring true. God will give you the miracle of his provision. And that's when God is going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. But you see, to believe God, you're going to have to have enough faith where you can disagree with public opinion. Sounds easy, and we all say amen, amen, but it's tough to do. As loud as the world shouts and screams into our ear, it's tough to disagree with public opinion. And when we hear what everyone is saying, we still have to have the faith to say, nevertheless, the Lord is my portion. You know, you may not think that you're very important by the world's standards. Your name's not in the newspaper. You're not trending on Twitter or anything like that. But I want you to know something, friend, that you are important enough that Satan has sent his forces out to stop you, to try and defeat you. When the Israelites arrived in the promised land, their enemy said, we've already heard about you. We've already heard the things that your God has done in your life. And I want you to know today Satan has already heard about you. And he has sent his demons to surround the bread that's coming to you because he's hoping that when you see how big they are and then when you hear all the negative voices of everyone around you that you will get discouraged and retreat. And the reason why he fights against you so hard is because the devil knows that if you will just stay in the fight if you won't run, if you won't hide, if you'll draw a line in the sand, he knows that you are going to win. And what that means is God is calling you to fight for your marriage. He's calling you to fight for your finances. He's calling you to fight for your health. God will rain down bread from heaven. But it's going to be a struggle because Satan does not want you to get your daily bread. But you see, God will feed you even when you're in the battle. 
Worship will be your nourishment in the fight. 2 Kings chapter 17 says, Worship the Lord your God, for it is he who will deliver you from the hands of all your enemies. The 23rd Psalm, in verse 3, it says, The Lord restores my soul. Even though when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord restores my soul. Later on in that passage, it says his goodness and his mercy, they're going to follow me. They're going to have my back. So every time that you're out of strength, he'll give you more strength. When you're out of a word, God will give you his word. And you may be tired, you may be hungry, but Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Friend, God is in the battle with you. And just when the devil thought he had you, God will feed you. God will renew your strength when we praise him, when we honor him, when we realize that he has our daily bread, and even though we may not recognize it, he will do what it takes so we can make it through. Bow your heads with me if you would. Jesus told us that when we pray to ask our Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. And friend, I want you to know God will make a way to bless you. But now you may be here today and you may be in the middle of the fight. Satan may be attacking you from every direction. He may be attacking your job. He may be attacking your family. He may be attacking your finances. But I want you to know, God said he will be in the fire with you. And he also promised that he would fight your battles for you. But you see, we have to let go to allow him to take over. And we need to pray, Lord, give me the bread that you have for me today. And so today, maybe you're here, but you're hungry. You're weak. Maybe it seems like you're having to carry your load all by yourself. Friend, does your faith need a boost today? If you need the Lord to feed you and sustain you, would you raise your hand? If you need God to do something, yes. If your faith needs a shot of God's power, just slip your hand up. There's nothing wrong with that. We all go through that. Jesus himself went away and got by himself to pray to be strengthened by the Lord. Now, there may be those here today who have sin in their life. You realize you're not living for the Lord and you know that you need to be born again. Well, friend, if you're living in that state, I know you're in a battle because it's a tough world out there. And what the sad thing about it is is that you don't have Jesus to fight your battle for you. You're on your own against the devil. If you're here today and you need to be forgiven, you have sin in your life, would you raise your hand? You need God 
to cover you with his blood. Thank you, yeah. I want you to know the greatest blessing you'll ever receive is God's amazing grace. The other thing that God does for us is wonderful and we appreciate it, but the greatest thing you'll ever receive is salvation. Is there anyone else you need to be forgiven?